0: Hey everyone, Josh Pottinger here. I wanted to hop in real quick and say a few words before we get going with our show. We started brainstorming on a podcast series for business owners and entrepreneurs in late 2019. And before we went live with our series, we wanted to bank a few episodes before we launched it. So we recorded our first episode in late January and second episode in early March. 2020. In other words, pre-COVID. And it's a bit crazy to listen to ourselves knowing that the entire world was about to change. Anyways, I just wanted to acknowledge that. And I'm going to talk about this in our initial episode, but I think it's worth mentioning here that the spirit of the Lightning in a Bottle podcast series is that it's evergreen in nature, meaning that the content concepts and perspectives should hold true in any environment and for many years in the future. Of course, tax and legal issues can change over time, but we're not here to give tax and legal advice. That's really something that's highly personal and specific to your own situation. Our team is made up of seasoned wealth management professionals that have been battle tested for over two and a half decades. And by the way, we've got the battle scars to prove it. And we spent a lot of time in the trenches with our clients getting through some very tough times. And really, this time is no exception so anyway a huge thank you to you and everyone else that's taken time to listen to our podcast series and we truly truly hope you enjoy it and hopefully you learn a few things in the process so let's get started thanks Welcome to the ATX Wealth Partners podcast, a program that addresses the needs of business owners before, during, and after they sell their company or monetize it. As a business owner or entrepreneur, you owe it to yourself and your family to know your options, be informed, and to plan early. We hope you enjoy this program. And if you have any questions, email us at atxwealthpartners@ubs.com. at or you can visit our team's website at www.ubs.com forward slash A-T-X. Hi there, this is your host, Josh Pottinger, my longtime business partner and good friend Jason Georgianis will not be joining us today, given the current market conditions he's manning the desk. Today's episode is around the concept of a liquidity event, what it is, and what you need to do to prepare for it. And we've got a special guest with us today to talk about this subject, Joyce Crivellari, Executive Director and Senior Wealth Strategist with UBS's Advanced Planning Group. But first, we have a short little disclaimer for everyone. While we're gonna discuss income tax and estate planning concepts, it's important to note that we do not give tax or legal advice. Therefore, you should consult with your legal and tax advisors throughout this planning process and before you undertake any strategies. So let's talk about Joyce a little bit and her team. So as part of the advanced planning team, Joyce is one of the most important intellectual resources for our team. The team consists of former practicing estate attorneys and accountants with extensive private practice experience and diverse areas of specialization, including income and transfer tax planning, asset protection planning, business succession planning, and charitable planning. They provide comprehensive planning and sophisticated advice and education to our ultra high net worth clients. In addition to this, they also are a think tank for the firm, providing thought leadership and creating a heck of a library of white papers on estate planning and tax topics. So in other words, what I'm trying to tell you guys here is that they know what they're doing. Joyce, thank you for joining us.
1: Of course. I'm happy to be here.
0: Sorry for that long intro there, but I think there's a lot of good stuff with the Advanced Planning Group, and and uh, we were really excited that you were able to join us today. For those of you out there, Joyce uh, came up a little earlier today, and we hosted a, a nice uh, luncheon around this topic, pre-liquidity event planning. How do you think the lunch went?
1: It was great. I really enjoyed it. So, yeah. It's a good turnout and good topics, and I think we've had a good day so far.
0: I think so, too. I think so, too. Well, good. For those out there, uh, I want to take a few minutes to share with them a little bit about you. So why don't you give us a a quick kind of high-level overview of of yourself?
1: Okay. So I have been at UBS for a little Right at twelve years, and before joining UBS, I was uh, in private practice as an estate planning attorney. Yeah, I can't believe it's been twelve years. Time flies when you're having fun. And then when I'm not having fun at UBS, I spend time with my family. And I've got four kids, three of them in college. My husband, former football coach, decided to start a barbecue place a few years ago. So I've got I've got a lot going on in addition to the estate planning world. So. Yes.
0: Oh, uh, that's it's great. Yeah. That's great. Well I know you've had your hands full not only with traveling around and meeting with uh, with various clients, uh, but having four children is probably a fair amount of work. I've got two two children and I know how busy we are. Yeah, so. well
1: double that uh-huh. and then you know, you'll you'll get a <laughs> sense of, of what my life is like. But it's all good. Yeah. It's great.
0: Well, great. Well, let's. Uh, the topic of our conversation today is really liquidity events. So, how would you define a, a liquidity event?
1: So, at its very basic, a liquidity event would be a situation where, and, you know, we're talking about small business owners or business owners in general. And so, the liquidity event f- would be when an illiquid asset, such as a closely held business, becomes liquid. And that might happen a, a variety of ways. But, you know, at its very core, that is the liquidity event. And it can be very life-changing for for these business owners. You know, they've worked for decades building this business and have been putting all of their resources back into the business. And while the business carries a lot of value, they haven't experienced the liquid side of that value yet because mm-hmm. they've been continually growing that business. When an illiquid asset becomes liquid, that's really kind of the, the trigger for the liquidity event.
0: I came across an Instagram post uh, the other day. It was somebody in our world and he, and he talked about the four forms of capital, time, talent, energy, and then of course your financial assets. And so I was thinking about those four different types of capital and how a business owner or an entrepreneur has an idea. You know, there's a problem out there in the world, and they're using their time, their talent, and their energy to create a solution for it. Mm-hmm. And when they're starting the business, they don't have any financial resources. In fact, they might have a negative network.
1: Right. Right.
0: And over time, their goal is to convert those intangible forms of capital into a tangible form. And monetizing that business. And I thought that was a really cool thing. I mean, just to kind of think about it that way. Yeah.
1: That's a great way to think about it. And, you know, a lot of these, you know, business owners view that business as, as, you know, it's their baby. It's almost like another child, you know, they, they launched it from inception and, and have grown it. And it's, it's a very meaningful part of their lives and something that, you know, it's not just a financial decision, when a liquidity event is on the horizon or potentially on the horizon, or even the decision about whether or not they should seek to monetize, you know, it's, it's also very personal to them because it's been, it's been their baby.
0: Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so fun to work with these people. I mean, you know, Jason talks about how much we admire the grit that they have and the tenacity at you know mm-hmm. sticking to their guns and Absolutely. you know starting those companies and being shot down and told that you know the idea is not going to work and then they just are not going to accept that and we have just so much respect for those entrepreneurs out there willing to take those risks and and I think for especially those folks out there that are successful in building these companies and they're able to monetize this business and and For a significant amount of money, and I think the media sort of portrays these folks, these wealthy folks, as bad people. And you know, I got to tell you, you our clients—they are some good people. Absolutely, these these people put their pants on the same way we all do, Mm -hmm. and they don't come. A lot of our, you know, clients, these first generation wealth, you know, they didn't come from a lot of money, and so I think it's really unfair to cast them in that light. And
1: Yeah, I agree. And you know, and a lot of them, you know, as I'm as I mentioned a minute ago, you know, this has been something that they've they've had their head down, nose to the grindstone, and they've been they've been working to build this thing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, they they look up and have the opportunity to monetize it for a substantial amount of money and they think, Wow, how did this happen? Like right. well, how did I get here? Now right. what do I do? Right. And and their their focus and their drive to build something that is a beneficial business. To, to someone else, whether it's product, good, service, whatever, it's they've been working to benefit others. And, and now here mm-hmm. they have this very valuable asset that somebody wants to come buy from them, and, and they, yeah. they're they
0: often shocked by it. Yeah, if you think about the good that they've been doing all along, giving all these people jobs
1: right. and supporting yeah.
0: these families and sending their kids to college. I And mean, that's
1: one of the most important items that I hear from these entrepreneurs mm-hmm. is this is going to be a great thing financially for me and for my family yep. but what about my people who helped to get me here they do not forget right. about their loyal employee team their management teams that's always a concern for these for these folks is how can i make sure that that everyone's taken care of and even like the towns where they're based you know mm-hmm. if that's a consideration too if if they're being acquired by a larger firm or a larger company and there's the thought of moving the headquarters somewhere else mm-hmm. you know i've had clients will you know worry about this little town this right. is where we started you know people in this town rely on on us as a big business and company here i've got to think about that too so it's really very not just oh yay this is my payday but it's <laughs> what about everything else and what about everybody else so yeah. there's a lot that goes on for these folks in making these de- the decision
0: right yeah it's such a it's it is such a big decision what are some Reasons that come to mind as to why one would want to sell their company?
1: So that's a good question. And there are a lot of different scenarios, as you can imagine, but you know, sometimes it it gets to the point in the business cycle where an entrepreneur has grown it to the point that that they feel like they can on their own. And by partnering with a capital partner, like a private equity firm or something like that, they they feel like they can maybe get to the next level. So that might be a motivation or someone shows up one day and knocks at their door and says, Hey, I'm interested in acquiring your company. I like what you guys are doing. Let's talk. So that might be a reason as well. If they're getting close to retirement age and they haven't really thought or prepared a succession plan, which which happens very often, they might think, okay, ha- you know, wh- what's my what's my exit for retirement? And then they begin to think about how might I monetize? Do my children want to step up and and take over the business or not? You know, retirement business cycle. Someone shows up and wants to to and. Acquire them or inject some capital so they can all get to the next level. Those are all reasons that come to mind for why one would consider a liquidity event.
0: Well, I hear different numbers about this, but you know, you you look at the financial buyers like private equity firms mm-hmm. out there, and mm-hmm. the amount of committed cash that needs to be deployed. You know, I get different numbers anywhere from a trillion dollars to a couple of trillion dollars. Yeah, and the demand for good running, solid companies is so high that multiples are starting to, we've seen multiples over the last couple of years, you know, move higher. And so, and a lot of these private equity shops are pretty aggressive at getting out there and, and trying to rustle up some business. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many business owners I've talked to that are getting calls on a, on a regular basis, you know, on a weekly basis. Yeah, they basis. have money
1: to, to put to work. Right. Yeah. And they just need to find the right... Yeah the right partners and opportunities. Right. Yeah.
0: And I think about you know, the, the the unique challenges that these business owners and entrepreneurs have most often will you know if you look at their overall balance sheet, personal balance sheet, the value of that company, their stake in that company represents a huge piece of their overall portfolio.
1: Almost always. Almost yes. Almost always. Yes.
0: So you have this huge asset that's sitting on your balance sheet. It's an illiquid asset, and you've got – we're in a time right now in a low interest rate environment. You've got lots of dry powder out there looking for good companies. At what point does it make sense to start planning for this event? Maybe somebody's not quite ready to do it, but, I mean, how far in advance do you think they should start thinking about this Mm -hmm. stuff?
1: Well. You know, there, there are different components of planning, mm-hmm. you know, so there's their personal goals and objectives, you know, planning for what they what they want their life to look like, you know, now, two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. So there's kind of that personal side of the planning. And then there's planning for the business itself. You know, what what are my goals and objectives as as we continue this thing for mm-hmm. the next, you know, however long it is. And then there's also the estate planning tax planning philanthropic planning which is kind of where I jump in and and focus with the families that we work with and there's there's no set time frame per se but it's definitely you know out out in front of a liquidity event you know a, a year two years three years five years even i mean I, I kind of feel like it's it's never too early to at least start thinking about these these things particularly for the estate planning piece you definitely want to be out in front of a liquidity event as much as possible if you're planning on implementing some estate planning strategies like gifts to trust for children, you know, and gifting shares in the closely held business, or if it's an LLC, you know, units of the LLC. So in the case of estate planning, you want to be out in front of it as much as possible.
0: Okay. So what I'm hearing is the advantages of starting earlier is that you kind of get all your ducks in a row for those potential unsolicited offers. Yes. And you're you're ready to rock, so to speak. Yeah, right? you're ready to go. Yeah. When
1: you know, when it when it comes, you're not scrambling and thinking, oh goodness, what else should I be doing before this happens? Yeah. And then also the entrepreneurs that we work with, once the interest begins knocking at the door, their interest in the planning sort of falls by the wayside, even though from a from a tax standpoint, from right. an asset protection standpoint. From a charitable standpoint, income tax standpoint, all of these things, they could have done some some taken some actions that would have benefited them mm-hmm. from a personal standpoint and a tax standpoint but when those deals began to to be discussed and that that train's moving down the down the rail, they don't want to deviate from that and that's where all their focus is. so that's another reason to think about it ahead of time right just because they get so distracted with the possibility of a transaction
0: mm-hmm yeah, which brings up the, the 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 second unique challenge that I see in a lot of these business owners and entrepreneurs, and that's just lack of time,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you know the procrastination that happens. Right, and they're so focused on the on the issue at hand, at taking care of the business. Everybody's coming at them with questions. They don't have time to tend to this planning stuff. Plus, like we talked about earlier in the lunch, is like they don't want to jinx things.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, they don't want to make any any changes or adjustments to the company. They just want to focus on on the deal and and get it done. Yeah. and you know don't want to right get distracted from that at all or do anything that was that's going to jinx it. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And I mean I can't tell you how many times I've actually heard those words come from a business owner's right. mouth. Is right. I don't I don't want to jinx anything.
0: Well, so yeah, <laughs> sometimes i are worried too about the employees and you know if they get wind of it. Right. And, yeah. And, that's always the and, and and impact concern. on the employees, right? Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, if you think if you think through that a little bit, employees are smart. They're going to pick up on things. And if there's not clear communication going on, right. they're going to get nervous. Yes. And then going to start maybe thinking about, you know, what's my exit strategy, you know? Exactly. And so if you can put their mind at ease, knowing that there's a well-thought-out process, and one of the things that is important to the business owner is that the employees are taken care of, and mm-hmm. this is— gonna be okay
1: yep and you know you know they're all they're all different in that yeah. regard I mean there are some business owners that that maybe would be a little bit more close closer to the vest mm-hmm. and not quite as transparent sure. which definitely causes a little bit of a, a culture of nervousness among employees and then there are those that that part of their process to, to uh, leading up to the liquidity event is to communicate be as transparent as they're comfortable being and letting the employees know kind of what to expect and what's down the road and how they're thinking about taking care of them. So
0: great. Let's so I want to give our audience some some good kind of meaty stuff to take away from this conversation. So kind of walk through like we did over over lunch the basic blocking and tackling and then sort of the next level you know, where you want to go, you know, some of the asset freezing techniques that we talked about, just at a high level that might give the audience some bits and pieces to take away that they can have with their own, you know, professional advisory network that that they're talking to.
1: So speaking specifically from the estate planning standpoint. From the estate planning, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, as we talked about in the lunch today, I like to break estate planning because it feels like such a daunting word. And, you, you know, we think about that that's what happens when I pass away. Like, I don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about that, but it's a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. I like to think of estate planning in two phases. Phase one being the basics, the blocking and tackling what everyone should have in place. And then phase two is what else should I be considering from an estate planning standpoint? What are other people like me doing? What strategies might fit with my goals and objectives? But getting back to phase one, before a liquidity event, and as you're, you know, a few years ahead of a liquidity event, or really for all of us, at you know, at all times during our life, we should kind of do a check in on our phase one estate plan and make sure we have everything up to date and appropriate for our current current financial situation. Mm-hmm. So, what is phase one? Phase one of estate planning would include your testamentary plan, which would be the what happens to my assets if something were to happen to me. Mm-hmm. So that would be covered either by a will and or a revocable trust. So a revocable trust That's probably don't want to get into too much of a detail (laughs) on on this discussion today. But basically, it's a trust that would hold assets that would then govern the disposition of those assets, both during your lifetime and and at your death. It's a revocable trust. So the grantor, the creator of the trust or you can use it, amend it, change it, revoke it. But the benefits are that those assets are outside the probate process. And they retain a higher amount of privacy because wills are filed as a public record when someone passes away, revocable trusts are not. So there are just some, some benefits, but that would be unique to each person's situation. So will and or revocable trust, power of attorney documents, which would include A financial power of attorney, or here in Texas, it's called a statutory durable power of attorney that in which you designate an agent to make financial decisions and do all of the things that you can do with your assets and property. And then a medical power of attorney, medical documents, which would be the power of attorney, the directive to physician, and then a HIPAA authorization. Mm -hmm. Also part of phase one, we need to review beneficiary designations on IRAs, 401ks, life insurance, review ownership of life insurance, make sure that it's owned in the most efficient way for a given set of circumstances. That's really kind of the the mm-hmm. basics. Everyone should tend to those things <laughs> during their during their life and keep, keep those things up to date. Right. So that's phase one. Uh-huh. That's for everybody, not just business owners. And then phase two would be some of the other things that that business owners might consider before a liquidity event. Should I take some of the The value of my company today at today's value, move it outside of my estate for estate tax purposes and transfer that future appreciation out of my estate for purposes of reducing my estate tax if something were to happen to me. And, you know, right now we have historically high estate tax exemptions. I mean, never before in the history of the estate tax have we had $23 million of exemption for a married couple. You know, 11, the exemption today for gift, estate, and generation skipping tax is 11.58 million per person. So a married couple's estate wouldn't even hit the threshold where they would pay estate tax until. 23-ish million. Right. Anything over that would be taxed at 40%. For an unmarried person, anything over eleven point five eight million would be taxed at 40% at their death. So that's why if you have an opportunity to take an asset that's valued, you know, an interest in a company that's valued at $2 million today and transfer a portion into a trust that's outside of your estate for estate tax purposes, and that $2 million becomes $10 million when the liquidity event takes place you've transferred all of that appreciation out of your estate for estate tax purposes. And there are various ways you can do that. Right. Yeah. In the way that I just described, that's more of a, you know, straight gift, just make a gift of the property. But you mentioned just a minute ago, you know, a freeze technique. So a way to freeze that that $2 million value in your estate would be to rather than make a gift, you sell those assets to you typically, this is done through an irrevocable trust, which, again, that's a whole nother conversation of the ins right. and outs of irrevocable trusts. Right. But you could sell an interest in the company to an irrevocable trust in exchange for a note. If you sold $2 million worth of the company, you take back a $2 million note. When the liquidity event takes place and that $2 million is now worth $10 million, the trust pays off your note and you've transferred that appreciation or you've frozen the value of the company in your estate at two million and transferred all of the appreciation into the trust. So, you know, these are things that there are sophisticated, complicated strategies, but they can really be very powerful from a from an estate tax standpoint and can fit in well if, if a client's goal is to kind of tax efficiently share their wealth with their descendants and children, grandchildren in a protected, thoughtful, deliberate way.
0: Right. Yeah, the estate planning world, I mean, it's 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 funny how dynamic it is, you know. I mean, you we talked about it earlier as far as the whole process. It's not this like linear one step in front of the other. It's just sort of this mosaic puzzle and every piece of the puzzle can affect the, the other pieces of the, of the pu- puzzle. The rest yeah. of the puzzle. Yeah. And so, you know, the motivation might be tax related or it might be for those that are charitably inclined, you know, how do we, how do we benefit the charities that we're passionate about, you know, and, you know, or, or, or how do we take care of the, the children, you know, they're going to potentially be, you know, the beneficiary of, of, of a rather large trust, you know, how do we how do we raise these kids? Right, yeah. In, in, in a way, so.
1: Definitely. I mean, the two things that we hear in these conversations mm-hmm. the most often are, I want to make sure that whatever I do from a planning standpoint, that I don't ruin my kids. That's kind of the phrase. <laughs> I don't want to ruin my kids. They're doing great. Yep. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're working hard. I, I don't want this to to change that. And then I don't want to pay. I want to be efficient about my taxes. You know, I, w- I want to be efficient. So, those are really the two things kids and kids and tax efficiency. So,
0: and depending on how things happen in November, we could be faced with a different set of circumstances when all of this sunsets or maybe even potentially right. before that, right? Right.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned a minute ago, the 11.58 million mm-hmm. per person. And right now that's scheduled to sunset in at the end of 2025. So January 1st of 2026, we believe that number will be somewhere around 6 million. It's actually... Reverts back to five million, Mm -hmm. but that number is adjusted for inflation over a period of years. So we think we don't know exactly what it will be, but we think it'll be around six million per person. So for a married couple, that will be twelve million. Mm -hmm. Anything over twelve million would be subject to estate tax. So you can see that really could change the tax picture. You know, today it's anything over twenty-three million. In twenty twenty-six, it would be anything over twelve million. That's that's a big difference. Pulls a lot more people into the Mm -hmm. um, estate tax paying realm. right? And to your point, Josh, keeping an eye on the elections and any potential changes between now and 2026, you know, those are very critical things for us to keep an eye on for business owners right? who are our clients and prospects that, you know, need to consider mm-hmm. when to pull the trigger on these different strategies, given that the tax laws could change.
0: Right. Well, good deal. Well, I think we're coming up at the end of our conversation here. So I want to wrap it up. What advice would you give to a very busy entrepreneur or business owner there that might be thinking about an exit plan of some sort?
1: Their busyness gets in their way. So, what advice I would give would be don't let that happen. These things are important. You know, I understand that, you know, their focus is on the business, but take the time to have the conversation with a financial advisor, pull your team together, a mergers and acquisitions attorney, a state planning attorney, your CPA. I mean, begin, if you're not ready to build the team around yourself yet, begin thinking about that team. I guess that would be my advice is take the time to think about the planning. Mm -hmm. Don't feel like, oh, I'm so busy. You know, I'm focused on, on the business. It really will pay off in many, many ways to think about this ahead of time, not just from the financial and tax standpoint, but from just a personal and family standpoint as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the reality of transferring large, Amounts of value onto your family at some point in time. So take the time, realize the importance of this planning, and and take the time to do it. Reach out to Josh and talk to him about <laughs> about filling that That's team together start. and, That's a good and first getting it done. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then you because they will miss opportunities. They'll they can miss all kinds of opportunities, yeah. not just tax
0: before and wealth it's too, transfer. Yeah, too yeah. Late. yeah. It's yeah. important to start this process before there's any term sheets being emailed around and and whatnot. So. Well, great. Well, Joyce, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so appreciative of you and all the work that you and the team are doing and big fan of all the white papers that you you guys put out.
1: (laughs) Yes, we love to put out our white papers. And, you know, we hope that they, you know, they're easy go-tos for Mm -hmm. people that need a, you know, either an in-depth discussion about a particular topic. And some of them are higher level. But, yeah, we we like to share our white papers. So, Yeah.
0: Well, great. Well, there you have it. A high-level overview of pre-liquidity event planning. Thank you, Joyce.
1: You're welcome. This was fun.
0: Good. Well, this is Josh Pottinger with ATX Wealth Partners. And remember, know your options, be informed, and plan early. Until next time, take care.